0: Just to prepare our hearts as we come around the Lord's table, I'm just taking a text from 2 Thessalonians, chapter 1, verses 1 to 12, so right at the beginning. If you're using the church Bible, it's on page 1189, 1189, 2 2 Thessalonians, chapter 1. I'm going to read the first 12 verses and just just hopefully encourage you uh, from God's word uh, to uh, expect good things of God as we honour him, worship him. And listen to his word and listen to its promises. So 2 Thessalonians 1 verses 1 to 12. Paul, Silas and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians. In God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are always to thank God for you brothers and rightly so. Because your faith is growing more and more. And the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Therefore among God's churches we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right and as a result you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and he will give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marvelled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may fulfil every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, uh, big, uh, big words and uh, lots of faith and encouragement in that, as we should expect from God's word. Uh, Paul writing from Corinth, uh, Paul, along with Timothy and Silas, has started the church there, and he's encouraging them. In their faith and growth. He's encouraging them. He's, I think it seems to be the thrust behind this passage is one of building up and expectancy and faith and perseverance and all these things. And why is he encouraging them? Because as Christians, as we try and follow the ways of Christ, when we try and follow his will, when, when it's difficult passages and I have to say, well, I choose God's way, even though it hurts me or my family or whatever it is, or even sometimes the church, I choose God's way. You need encouragement. When I want to love somebody that maybe doesn't deserve to be loved or forgive where there's uh, maybe, uh, I don't want to forgive, but I have to choose God's ways because it's God's word and there's a cost. There's cost When I want to be counter-cultural and not go along with the ways of the world, it's tough. When there's a world out there that wants to discourage you and a devil that wants to come against the church, it's, it's, it's difficult and it's easy to get discouraged and hear Paul is trying to encourage this church because he knows all those things will come against it. And the Bible says, doesn't it, to encourage one another daily. There's enough discouragement in the world. We don't need it in the church. It's easy to discourage, but we are encouragers. Barnabas was an encourager. We encourage one another. We want to share um, these things that God says to us. Faith, uh, love, perseverance, all these things we need uh, to walk our walk. And it comes really, first of all, doesn't it, with our identity, verses 1 and 2. We're in fellowship with God. We're connected. We're family. I was saying this this morning at Sunny Mead. We're family. We are family. We have our ups and downs and our tits for tats and various bits that go on. But there's love at the centre of a good church. And our fellowship is with God, right in those first few verses. The church, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Family. Grace and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul recognising where that comes from. He's sending that love and that grace and that peace. But he says it comes from God. It comes from God. And, And the church showing grace, offering peace. I always have to ask myself the question, have I been an encourager? Am I being gracious? Am I showing peace? Or am I going to go along the ways of the world? Church in relationship. As believers, we're all in relationship. We're family. And it's easy for us to lose our way. We can get caught up sometimes in the institution of church or, or doing church rather than being church. Uh, have you been watching the World Cup? Yes. All good, in not it? Love the World Cup, don't we? Till tomorrow night, and then we'll be brought back down to earth. I've got faith, though. Faith, love, and perseverance. Um, I like that. Unfortunately, I've got a meeting here at the church at 7.30 tomorrow. Some bright spark, that'd be me, uh, said he could make that Monday and as England are kicking off, so there you go. Um, so pray for me and John Powell that we won't be distracted uh, in that meeting. But I don't know if you saw the uh, Portugal game. Bit of a thriller. 3-3. Spain should have won. But, um, but Portugal, Ronaldo gets a hat-trick. See that? See the free kick? I thought there's no way he's going over. He's not going over that wall. It's too close to go. He's going to go around it. And of course, as ever, I was wrong. And, uh, and he put the ball over the wall and it curled down. Amazing goal. But what you find, when, he, when, he, when, when he, uh, he's got a penalty as well, and then he got another goal on the break, you know, he's pretty good. But what he did, when he took that free kick, when he took that penalty, he might look where he wants the ball to go. But when the moment comes, when he's taking the shot, his eye is on the ball. If he's looking up at that point, he skies it. Same thing happens in golf. You cannot look up. You've got to keep your eyes down until after. And he's got to keep his eye on the ball. When you take your eye off the ball, it goes wrong. And so for us in church, we have to keep our eye on the big thing. We keep our eyes focused on Jesus. He's at the centre of everything. Coming back to the heart of worship, it's all about you. Can you honestly sing that? Is it all about him? I question myself as I'm singing it. Because I don't like singing things if I don't necessarily believe it. Or if I'm not living it out. I want to have integrity. And I have to confess that actually not all the time it is. Sometimes my own personal feelings get in the way. My own personal wants. But it's great to be pulled back and put him at the heart of our worship. We have to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Personally, and I'm sure for you as well, I'll get pulled in all sorts of directions uh, and doing different things, and I have to centre my attention on Jesus and say with integrity, it's about you. It's not about me. It's not about my preference. It's not about what I want. It's all about what you want. It's all about you. When we stray from that in church, it goes wrong. Uh, because he is the author and perfecter of the faith. None of us are. He's the one who paid the price. That's what we're going to celebrate later on. He's the one that died for us. He's the one that leads us. He is the head of the church, and he's the one who gets all the glory. And, and that's pretty easy, but so often we can drift away from that. The identity and purpose of the church and its knowledge and love of God, seeking and doing his will rather than our own. And we've got a classic case this Wednesday, haven't we? whether to call this lad or not, you know. And there's preferences and there's opinions. Um, I've got my preferences and opinions, but really, ultimately, they don't mean a lot. Uh, what it's got to come down to is, is this of God? And the way we do that as a Baptist church and Congregationalists is that we come together for a church meeting. The minister doesn't have the final say. The elders don't have the final say. They can recommend, and we can say, we believe this is where God is, uh, is, uh, is directing us. Tom can say, this is where I believe. I should. you can say all those things. And um, we can have our opinions, but opinions don't really matter. What, what matters is God's opinion. And what, I want to, what we want to know is, what do you think God is saying? Because sometimes he'll say things that we might not agree with, but then that's uh, not putting Jesus where he should be. Uh, when it's all about him. So we do that. We do that at church meetings. It's good to come together and discern these things. And we've got a great opportunity to start to begin to do that this Wednesday. We're bound together in the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We say this blessing, don't we? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done. We're bound together. And that should be a picture of our family here, and it was the picture of the church in Thessalonica, uh, written around AD 52, but just just as apparent for us now this evening. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul talks about uh, many things, many things, but, um, but he talks, he pulls out three things in this passage, faith, love and perseverance. We need all three, don't we? Um, perseverance. And then what does that mean for our mission? If I've got that faith, I've got that love, I've got that perseverance, what does it mean uh, for our mission? We can be great in mission. We can win souls for Christ. Uh, but if we don't back it up by our character and our actions and our words, it undermines everything. So Paul wants to thank God uh, because in verse 3 he says, your faith is growing more and more. And I, and I, I always question as church, myself personally for the church, is our faith growing? Is it growing? Are we, are we really, what are, how much are we expecting of God? What do we believe for? What can we achieve together? There's a whole world out there. There's souls to win. We've heard some testimony tonight of opportunities that have happened. Some when the age of 12, others just this past week. You now We can't manufacture that. God is moving and that's brilliant. But what have we got faith for? Would I have had faith if Ian had said to me, I'll be in prison next week and I want... How many was it? Seventy men to stand up. Once and I was, you know, would I've had that? Well, let's pray for ten, you know, whatever. I don't know, but we have to have a bigger faith, a bigger grasp of what Christ can do, and there's souls to win. As we see God at work, when we hear those testimonies, when we see things in church life, faith grows, doesn't it? When I see the baptisms that we've had, and some that are coming, when I see new members joining, wanting a covenant together, I'm encouraged. The world will try and discourage us. Sometimes we get discouraged, but we're not to listen to that. We've got to be encouraged. I look at the fruit of the ministry of the church, not my church or your church, God's church, and I thank God for it. It's amazing what he's doing by his spirit, sometimes in spite of me and in spite of you, and many times because of. He uses us, and we need to step out and look forward. I love the Prayer on the Streets initiative and some of the testimonies that are coming back. I love the fact that we're thinking about premises. We don't know where that's going to go. I love the fact that we're thinking about a new minister. I don't know which way that'll go, but I love stepping out in faith and seeing what God will do by the presence and power of his spirit. So faith. Faith is growing more and more, we need to make sure our faith is growing more and more. And to do that, you have to start praying for things that you don't think are impossible, because then when it happens, your faith will increase. Uh, Love is the other thing that Paul says. Verse 3, the love uh, that every one of you has for each other is increasing. That's another good spiritual health check. Are we loving one another? Are we loving one another? Every one of you, our motive should be driven by love. God is love, the Bible says. Uh, My early journey... Um, uh, when I went on the first Alpha course. I think I've told you before I went on three of them. And I, I listened to all this. I, could, I was reading God's Word. I could see what it says. I was listening to Nicky Gumbel um, uh, on the DVDs. And there's uh, this wonderful picture of the church and what it is, and family and love and forgiveness and humility and graciousness, all these things. I thought, I want to be part of that. And then when I got involved a little bit in church life, I was astounded. Sometimes the way Christians spoke to each other, because it was the direct opposite of what's said in there. Sometimes with anger and malice and, and discouragement, all the opposites of what the Bible says. But it didn't put me off, because I had this picture, and I saw good as well. There's a lot of good in church, and, and we're not perfect. The church is full of sinners, and I'm one of them. Um, but, but we must back up. Uh, what we say and what the Bible says. And all of us, I see it in this church, lots of people driven by love. And it never. I never. I thank God. When I see the works of service that various people are doing, half the time I don't even know they're doing them. I find out afterwards. They say, we visited so-and-so. Did you know they were ill and we took a meal? And I think, no. Did I miss the email? Just, but people are doing it. It's, it's a wonderful picture. The fellowship, the care that goes on. Someone shared with me this morning at Sunny just about the care they're receiving at a difficult time. And um, said in tears, astounded by the not not just ministers or elders necessarily, uh, but the fellowship, the family, the family, Um, and it's a share is a shared ministry. Ephesians four talks about some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, to equip the people of God for works of service, and it's great when you see that going on. It's fantastic. And we know that can happen. We know that we're all ministers because in, uh, in 2 Peter 2, verse 9, you are chosen people, a royal priesthood. And so we pray for one another, which is great. It's great that people help with pastoral care, uh, which enables us to uh, do, as it says in Acts 6, uh, attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Not to say we don't do any, but it's great if we if we're on our own, we'd struggle. So it's brilliant. It's good that we're motivated by it. It's good to increase our faith, be motivated by love. And when we do these good things, there's one that comes against us. And so we need perseverance. Um, I noticed that when church life is going really well, uh, attacks come. The enemy doesn't just take that line down. He goes after us. And, and we're very aware of that, and you probably will be as well. So we need perseverance. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and in faith. We need this in any kind of ministry. Uh, all of you need that. All of you need encouraging, not discouraging. All of you need God's power and not, not Satan's temptations. It's a constant battle. There is enemy influence and we need to guard against that. There's always more to do. We were talking we about a, um, what do we call it, a forum, uh, sunny me today, a bit of a chat and a question of answers and good questions. Uh, it was really good. And one of the things that we talked about was the stress of ministry. There's a high dropout rate amongst ministers, which is unhealthy. That's not, it's not good. We want continuity and perseverance. And one of the things we're talking about, there's always, some, there's always something more to do. Your, your to-do list is never finished. And one of the things I miss, and I was sharing that Tom will miss, and Joe as well, you know, who doesn't get a husband who comes home at the same time every night anymore, or has a weekend, you know. Fr- oh, you miss the Friday night feeling. That's what I used to say to Andrew. I don't, don't get that Friday night feeling anymore where everything is done. And I don't have to worry till Monday. Uh, because ministry, and all of us are involved in ministry, there's always some more you could be doing. There's always more we could be doing. But we need to persevere. We need to make sure we're led by the Holy Spirit. Because we don't want to be burnt out. God doesn't call us to do that. When we do these things, uh, hopefully we can um, agree with Paul in verse 5, we'll be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. And sometimes we do suffer. Uh, sometimes it's the mountaintop stuff. A lot of times it's not. And sometimes there is suffering. When we try and stick to the word of God, we can get ridiculed. We can be called outdated. When the world is saying that anything goes, we say, well, no, it doesn't, or we should do. Uh, the church is called to be prophetic. I was talking this morning uh, from Psalm 51. You know, you know, cleanse me with hyssop and I'll be washed whiter than snow. And this is after, after uh, King David, a man after God's own heart, has committed adultery. He's had uh, Bathsheba's husband murdered, you know, imagine if, I said to him, imagine if that was in a Baptist church, you'd kick me out, wouldn't you? you know, but here's God saying, it's, uh, it's a man after his own heart. But, but the real sin is there, and, and God is saying to us, what are you doing to be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are suffering? There is suffering. David suffered. Uh, he was restored, and we're restored around the communion table uh, this evening. But we have to have perseverance, we have to have faith, and we have to have love. And that informs our mission, which is where I want to end on. Our mission. Uh, We need to know our destiny. Verses 7 to 10 is an eye on the future. We know verse 7, Jesus will be revealed. Uh, He's coming back and it's dire consequences. Verses 8 and 9, for those who refused him. Everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. I've taken lots of funerals in my ministry and I can tell you the Christian ones, none of them are easy, but the Christian ones are a real privilege. The non-Christian ones are a real challenge. We never give up on the hope of God. We never give up the fact that we don't know. I can guarantee people in heaven, I can't guarantee people in hell because God's mercy probably is much bigger uh, than, than my own. But the fact is these, these passages warn us there's a mission. You know, If we have our faith, love and perseverance... There's a mission, there's a mission in the prisons with 70 men standing up and being prayed for or the witness of of someone from a young age and coming to the gathering and bringing a homeless person. There's a mission that we have to accept. There's always hope. But one day, those that constantly refuse him, there there is a bad place. I I I was on a plane recently and I sat next to someone and uh, we got talking. He's one of the only people that talks more than me. And um, so I was, I was in, out of my depth, really. I was in unknown territory. And um, anyway, lovely bloke. And we're talking away, and he said, Do you know what the world needs here? And I said, What's that? He goes, No, I going to tell you. It's one word what the world needs. And I thought he's going to say, money or something. He said, hey, It all needs forgiveness. We've just got to start forgiving one another, you know, and stop judging one another. And I said, You're right. And don't bring this up, because he's coming here next week. I invited him. He's going to come on Sunday. I'm going to his golf day. Uh, he's a patron at Little Havens, and I've invited him on ours. But the God-given opportunity, and there's the, there's the non-Christians saying, do you know what the world needs, Ian? You think I would have said yes? I know what the world needs. Jesus, love, forgive me. He said, no, he told me. He told me forgiveness. We're too busy, too busy casting blame and anger and discord. We all need forgiveness, don't we, Ian? I said, We do. I thought, he can preach, he can come and preach. He was pretty good. Um, we need to know our mission, to offer the love, the forgiveness, the, 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 the faith that is, that is uh, available to us. Uh, God, uh, we, can, we can have our mission, but if I don't have that love, don't have that faith, the graciousness, the forgiveness, willing to receive it, but also willing to give it, then the message is tainted. This is our core. And we want to be counted, verse 11, worthy of our calling. So we identify with God. When we worship, uh, we are are connecting with God. We are giving him his rightful place. So that needs to be passionate. It needs to be enthusiastic. It doesn't need to be drudgery or droll. It needs needs to be passionate. Because God is passionate, so passionate, he sent his son into the world to die for you and me. So my worship of him uh, ought to be passionate. And we have purpose, we have our faith, our love, our perseverance, drawing, attracting, evangelising others to become close to him. And not not on our own. Verse 11, it says, By his power he may fulfil every good purpose of yours and every act. But what what is it prompted by? What does it say in God's word? It's prompted by your faith. It's your faith. He's ready to act. We've heard testimonies uh, this evening. He's ready to act. A a, a conversation in an airplane. Men standing up in prisons. Something that's gone on for years. God is moving. He's moving in this church, but we've got to be ready to act. He's using our faith. It says it's prompted by your faith. And what's the reason? It's verse 12. It sums it all up. Because the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him. Verse 12, according to his grace. So can I just, along with Paul encourage you to be encouragers. There's enough discouragement in the world. We don't need it in the church. Can you recognise your identity? As we come to communion, you are a child of God because of what Christ has done. Your identity is with God the Father. And that means uh, that our faith can increase, our love can be apparent, our perseverance, something to be noted, and that will affect all of our mission. If we do these things... God honours us, and uh, the mission is imperative because this passage says, and elsewhere, uh, there's a place away from God that people who do not accept him will be. And we're the ones with the message, the great mystery. The Greek is mysterio, and it's a mystery made known. Um, we've got it. We've got that message. And we need to tell people. We need to live it out in our character as well. And so when we come to communion, we can ask God to nourish us, both physically and spiritually. Uh, but also to help us become more like him. Again, I was saying that this morning. We know the theological word, sanctification, becoming more like Jesus. Becoming more like Jesus and taking his presence into the world. That's what we need to do. Our mission is important. It's his mission, mission, God's mission. And he catches us up in it. And he changes your character. If you allow him to, you've got to let the Holy Spirit keep changing that. And he'll give you that power. And he'll give you that character to witness to others.